Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. So, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to say Happy Easter. I want to hear you say Happy Easter as loud as we can. Come on. Happy Easter. All right, who's got ham cooking right now and peeps for dessert? Have you ever microwaved one of those? Microwave a peep sometime. It's like there's marriage and then there's childbearing and then there's, there's you know, God, your, your relation with God's obviously first and then there's microwaving peeps, okay? It's a great thing. They just, they, seriously, they get to like two feet wide. They're awesome. All right, here's what I want to do. We're entering a new series today called God of the Underdogs and you might say, well, what does this have to do with Easter. And that's what I want to share with you. Um, this is about Easter today. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ to this weekend and what it's all about. And uh, we're going from there. So here's what I want to say. How many have ever felt or ever been at that playground and you've been at that playground a little bit and you feel a little bit like this guy where you're, you're kind of the, the underdog. You're feeling like you're being bullied. Ever, ever been there before where you're that person? You show up and there's somebody that's just kind of the, the bully, the other guy. You're either one or the other, usually, all right? Some, some of us are bullied, some of us are, we won't talk about it. And you show up at the playground, here's what happens. I want to tell you a little story of a boy. And this boy showed up, he gets there into his little playground, and, and there's a little sandbox, and there's the slide, you know, and, and then there's the torture machine, the teeter-totter. You can do, a, if you're a bully man, that is your toy of choice at the playground, right? And so this little boy shows up, and there's this big guy, and he's coming there every day. And finally, this big guy is like, this is my playground. You can't mess with my playground. My playground. And the boy is like scared to death. And so the boy goes home. And he's like, fine, I'll go a different day. And, and he's scared. And, and he goes back to his house. And he tells his brother. And his brother says, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And so the next day, they go together. And, and the bully is still there. And they're like, really? This is our playground. Will you just leave it alone? And, and the bully says, no, it's mine. Get out. And they're scared. They're thinking, we're, we're, we're going to be beat up. They feel like they're this in, in the ring, you know, getting ready to go. And so the kid's like, fine, I'll go home. And, and he's feeling like, I, I'm a failure. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to compete against this guy. And so he goes home, and, and he finally tells his other brother and his other brothers. And, and they go back the next day. He's still there. And this goes on and on forever and ever. And the guy just calls insults at them and says, you're going to amount to nothing and all of these words. And finally, they go home after this has been happening over and over and they find their youngest brother, the little shrimpy kid, the underdog, the one that has like no chance of anything. Some of you are this person. You know, this. I have a sister like this. And the underdog just says, the little brother says, well, I'll go. I'll beat him up. Some of you have that sibling, don't you? And the little sibling says, I'm going back. Tomorrow morning, I'm going back. I'm going to do it. And, and so the sibling goes and he grabs some of his brother's clothes because he wants to look intimidating, you know? And he puts on the clothes and they're just falling off of him. It's like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. And so the little boy finally just goes and he gets to the playground. He's all by himself and his brother's like, you're nuts. You're crazy. You're going to get killed, man. And he shows up and he's looking at this big guy and he's like, all right, I'm going to take him. And so the little boy, he reaches down into the sand and he pulls out one boulder and he takes the boulder back and he throws it as hard as he can and he hits the big bully right in the noggin and he falls right down. Yeah. Alright, now, you know this story. It's a little different, but in the Bible it's a little different. It's the story of David and Goliath, okay? Let me share with you one part of this scripture. Now, to keep it rated G this morning, we won't talk about what King David 
does to the bully next. If you'd like to read it, it's in 2 Samuel verse, chapter 17. But let's just say it's really gross. Don't paint this on your nursery wall for any of your kids, okay? First, excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 50. It says, So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his sand, he struck down the Philistine, that's who Goliath was, and killed him. He killed him. Now, I've got to tell you this. I was, how many of you wish you were taller, wish you were shorter, wish you were slimmer, all, all of that? You ever felt that way? Like, you just don't feel like you measure up, okay? Now, I have to tell you, to, today, I am down over 56 pounds from where I was in December. Oh, come on. So, wanted to make a change, I did. Now, I'm six foot, between six foot and six foot one. It depends how tall I stand up. When I was a freshman in high school, some of you can relate to this, I was four foot 11. I was short. I was short. I was a twig, man. Okay? And I walked in. And maybe you can relate to this. I walk in, and, and, and every, I'm looking up at everybody in the hallway, and I was the last to be picked for any sporting event. Were you ever the last to be picked for anything sporting? Okay, that was me. I was like the last to be picked. And then from my freshman year to my sophomore year, I grew one foot one inch. My mom hated that time. <laughs> All right. It was like clothes shopping galore and going clothes shopping with her son was not fun. And so I grew a foot. And the year after, so I was my sophomore year at St. Francis High School. I was the first one picked in gym class for my first time. And I'm like, yeah. This is awesome. But I got to tell you the truth, though. I was the only guy in our entire gym class. And I was like, we were playing floor hockey, and they picked me first. I'm like, you're still making a great mistake. <laughs> like, you want to pick the other girls, not me. We did pretty good. We love playing floor hockey together. An underdog is this. An underdog is a competitor thought to have little chance of winning a fight or a contest, Period. Or even this, the predetermined loser. Everyone's betting on you to lose. Come on, some of you bet money on sports, you know it. Last week you lost a lot of money on the wild, didn't you? Or you're like, no, I bet against him, we won big. I don't know, okay? I'm a Twins fanatic. Any Twins fanatics? A few of us, okay? There's one. Cool. We are the diehard faithful. The rest of you are like, Green Bay, woo. Uh, go Vikings. I was a diehard Twins fan. Do you remember the 1987 World Series? You're old enough to remember that. Twins win. It was just an incredible year. You had Kirby Puckett and Gary Gaetti and Greg Gagne and Ken Herbeck and Jack Morris and Frank Viola, all these guys that were just, they were, these were like my team, man. I rooted for them. I'd sit in front of the TV and I'd count out my Don Russ and Topps baseball cards. I'd stack them into teams and all. I was just like geeked out on baseball, man. It was bad. And so... 1987, the Twins were awesome. They win the World Series over St. Louis. Ah, it's awesome. 1988 comes around, and the Twins, man, they stunk. 1989, it comes around, and the Twins stunk. Say it with me. Come on. 1990, the Twins come around, and they... 1991 comes around, the Twins still... Is it stank or stunk? It's one of them. All right. They were still bad. They were pathetic. And then in the middle of the year, the middle of the year, about a third of the way through, Something happens. Something changes with their whole team dynamics. And they went from fifth place in the division to first place in the division. Do you remember that? They won 15 games in a row. It's the best winning streak they ever had. They had two pitchers with an earned run average of under two. It was an incredible time. People were rooting for them. They never looked back. And that year, to me, it was the most incredible win in World Series history. You remember the 10th inning tied 0-0? 
You remember that Jack Morris goes out for the 10th inning, he pitches another shutout inning, we get up bottom of the 10th and we win it with a little bloop into, into left field. We win it. That was, oh, it was crazy, it was great. We root for the underdog. We root for them. Many times, many times ourselves as the underdog, here's what happens. We use excuses to justify our life at times. The twins could have said, man, we're just not the same team. They could have stayed down, but they changed it. They figured out how to change it. Let me ask you this. You don't have to raise your hand, but were you ever the last picked? Were you ever the last picked? Or maybe you've used this excuse and you said, you know what? I just don't have enough financial resources to fill in the blank, to have kids, to to do this. Or we say, "I, I I can't do that. Or maybe you say, you know what? My past is so bad. If you knew how bad my past is, you, I couldn't fill in the blank, you know? Or we're told we're not going to amount to anything. Maybe you weren't called to life growing up. Maybe, maybe no one has spoken that. I want to say to you this morning, you are valuable. You have life, and God wants to call that life out of you. I don't know what the underdog excuse is, but here's what I want to say. We've all felt like the underdog from time to time. I want to tell you a story. And when I was in high school, some of you know this story. If you're visiting, you don't. So I want to share it this morning. And I was the shy kid. Some of you are like, yeah, are you shy? I was extremely shy. I wasn't called to life. I, I'd sit in the corner, and I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, you leave me alone. All you leave you alone. We're all good. Don't talk to me. Like, it's that time at church where, where the pastor says, all right, everybody greet each other. I was like, I'm running for the door. I ain't shaking no one's hand. You might be like, oh, I realize the bridge church doesn't do that. Hmm, I wonder why. Because um, we want people to feel welcomed. And so what happened is this. I went up to my teacher and I'm like, Mrs. That was her name. And I said, uh, this was St. Francis, so I got to be careful with these stories. And I said to her, I said, Mrs. Blah, I said, hey, I'd like to do speech. And she's like, sure. And so I did this speech with this other person. We did speech class. And if you're not familiar with speech class, it's kind of like drama. You memorize the speech and you travel from high school to high school and, and you perform your speech. Well, I did this with one other person and we bombed it. We did something from the Rainmaker. Ah, awful, boring play and and we stunk man it was awful and so the next year i'm like i want to do something different and so i went and and i was looking what do i want to do and i said to myself i said i want to do the comedy genre i'm going to do the comedy genre remember shy cool quiet kid comes up to his teacher mrs and i said to mrs i said i said i want to do the comedy genre and she looked at me with seriously all straight face and she's like Christopher, now anytime someone calls me Christopher, you know it's like bad news. You get that? When somebody calls you your full name? He's like, Christopher, I don't think you should do that. I think you should do prose, which is like all serious drama crap. I'm like, I don't want that. I want to do something fun, man. And she's like, I really don't think that you should do it. Now you got a choice to make as the underdog right in that point, don't you? Either, either you admit defeat and you're like, okay, Mrs. Okay, well, let you win. Or you get this like competitive, righteous thing that builds up and you're like, I will show you, teacher. I was the latter by far. Oh man, if you've played cards with me, you know what it's like. And so I'm super competitive and I'm like, I went into the bathroom and I stood there. Come on, guys, that's where we think the best, right? So we go to the bathroom and as a shy kid, that's the best place in the world. So I go into the bathroom and I'm standing in front of the urinal and I'm going, what, what can I memorize? And I grab some plays and I'm looking at them and I find this one, it's called I Hate Hamlet. I'm like, I don't like Shakespeare, this is great. And so I go into Mrs. and I show her, and I said, Mrs. A, here's what I want to do. I said, I want to do this play. It's called I Hate Hamlet. And she's like, I can't tell you no, but I really think you're going to fail and not amount to anything. You can't do this. Bring it, sister. 
bring it. And so I, I became so like crazy, infatuated with memorizing this, getting it right. I took it home every day. I memorized it. I had it down to a T. And we showed up, and you have to wear a suit and tie, and you know, the whole monkey suit thing, and you're ready to go. And I show up for our first meet, and it's at Coon Rapids High School. And I stand there, and there's over a thousand people, and I'm going, I don't know if I'm even going to play. So there's, there's tons of people here. And so I go in, and you stand in one little classroom, and, and you perform the speech. And then you perform it in a different classroom with a different judge, and a different classroom, different judge, three different times. And then you go into the Performing Arts Center at Coon Rapids High School, and you're waiting, and you're waiting for the award ceremony. The award, award ceremony starts, and they say, for the speech genre. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to happen. Woo, you know? And they say, first place goes to, and they say, somebody, it's not me. And my heart sank. And they said, actually, we have two. And the second one goes to Chris Vincent. And I was like, ah, it wasn't even that care. All I did is I just looked down the road at my teacher, and I just stared at her. And I went up and got my reward. Come on, you wake with me this morning? Come on. It was fun. It was fun. I want to share with you this morning about an underdog that became a good friend of mine. He's like a brother to me. Maybe you can relate to this. But he came from a blended family. His dad physically really wasn't around, and so he had a stepdad that was around. Some of us can relate to that. In fact, his mom got pregnant out of wedlock. She was just an ordinary woman. His family actually shunned his parents, okay, because they were born out of wedlock, and that's just how it worked back then. And so he was born in the slums, like the worst place of the worst place. It was awful. In fact, not even in a normal house. Okay? Born just in the most awful place you could possibly... Um, it was worse than Green Bay. Um, moving on. He, he wasn't the greatest looking guy. We, we like those that live in Green Bay. We just root for the Vikings, that's all. Not the greatest looking guy, but no plastic surgery. Hard blue collar worker. Never a white collar. In fact, fouled in the trade of his dad. And just followed, went to work with his dad watching him. Never married, however, there was tons of women that really wanted him all the time. And they would have taken him, but he didn't take them in that way. And it seems like the underdog is always compassionate towards other underdogs, aren't they? Always. In fact, he was really compassionate to those that hurt. Those that felt like... Mrs. So-and-so didn't think you could do it. He was compassionate to him. I think that's why him and I got along so well. Because he believed in me. Well, we met when I was 17 years old. And this was the first time we actually met. It was at a church over in East Bethel here, and it was on a Saturday night. And at that time, it was the first time in my life, I didn't just, I didn't, just didn't know about my brother. I actually knew him for the first time in my life. And he shared a ton with me. He shared so much with me. He's compassionate to the hurting. However, you had to be really, really careful around him if you were a pastor or a minister. Because though he had such compassionate for the hurting, he was extremely confrontational to the religious leaders, like me. He wouldn't put up with it. You know, basically what he said is, he realized the church during his time wasn't welcoming. People would show up and the church would say, well, you got to do this. you got to have this figured out. you got to be holy here. And, and if not, man, you're not welcome here. And you got to walk through step A, step B, step C, step all the way through Z. And if you don't do that, you don't belong. And my brother said, that's not how it works. Now, I know we don't see that in today's culture. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.